Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Oz. Zara, why does it cost $100 to fill up my Kia Serato? That is the question we're going to be attacking on today's podcast. We're going to be joined by Tom Crowley, who's going to lay down the law and tell us why on earth not only is my car going to take more to run on the road, but why my coffee could soon be $7. Before that, Zara, take us through the headlines of the morning. Heading overseas first, and according to the UN, over 3 million people have fled Ukraine since Russia invaded the nation. Most refugees have fled to countries that border Ukraine, with close to 2 million people going to Poland. Around 300,000 refugees have also fled into Western Europe. Meanwhile, back here at home, the Queensland government has announced a Queensland zero emission vehicle strategy that includes a $3,000 electric vehicle subsidy for cars under $58,000. 45 million bucks will be spent over the next three years for the subsidies. The state government will also spend $10 million on building more charging stations for the electric vehicles. According to South Korea's military, North Korea fired an unknown projectile yesterday. South Korea's military said of the incident, it's presumed that it failed immediately after launch. The launch is suspected to have occurred on an airfield outside North Korea's capital of Pyongyang, and it's been alleged by the US that several tests have occurred on the airfield, including the testing of intercontinental ballistic missiles. And today's good news, we are headed over the ditch. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced the country's borders will open to vaccinated Australians on the 12th of April. Ardern also confirmed that as of the 1st of May, vaccinated travellers from visa waiver countries and valid visitor visas can also travel to New Zealand. I want to set the scene for everyone. I am a humble driver of a Kia Cerato. This isn't sponsored or anything, but it's a, it's a good car. And one of the good things about it is that it's very cheap to fill up with petrol. So you can imagine my surprise and disappointment when I filled up this week and it was triple figures, over $100 to fill up a tank of petrol. Joining me in the studio this morning is Tom Crowley, our journalist at The Daily Oz. Tom, is this an isolated example or are things getting more expensive here in Australia? Sounds like a very difficult life there, Sam. I'm not a driver and doesn't very often give me occasion to be smug, but I've been feeling a little bit smug over the last couple of weeks watching everybody else have to cough up for petrol. But no, it's not just petrol and it's not just you. The cost of living in Australia and I guess the cost of everyday items has been increasing in a number of different areas and for a number of different reasons over the last little while. So it's not just petrol. We've seen it in supermarkets. We're hearing that we might start seeing it at cafes. There was a report the other day that coffees might cost $7 each by the end of the year. So there are a number of different kind of everyday items in Australia that are increasing. The overall level of prices, which we call inflation and which we've talked about before on the pod, is increasing. And it's, I think, going to be a, a very significant issue in the next election. It's obviously something that matters to people every day. It hits them in the hip pocket. It's something that I'm sure many of the listeners will have experienced in you know various parts of their lives, even if, like me, they don't drive cars. So I think it'll be an interesting one to unpack a little bit today. So kind of taking a step back here, Tom, what kind of things impact how much something costs. If we strip it right back, what makes petrol expensive? 
Well, the simple answer, Sam, and the annoying answer is it's all about supply and demand. That's the economics 101 answer. And I'm sure it's the kind of answer that that you've heard some plucky business person lecture you about in the past. Everyone loves talking about supply and demand. They're words that get thrown around a lot. They are very useful concepts for understanding how the price of petrol or the price of anything is set. And so to give it a quick refresher, the idea is first demand, how much do people want something? When people want more of something, its price goes up. And when they want less of something, its price goes down. And then on the other hand, you've got supply, how much of something is there. And when there's lots of something, it costs less. When there's not so much of something, it's rarer, it costs more. So that's, I used to be in a past life, I used to tutor economics um, and I've got my, my first class out of the way there. And when we want to understand why prices are changing, we look for things that are happening that might affect either supply or demand. And that gives us this kind of framework for understanding where the changes come from. Has something happened in the world that might have affected supply or affected demand and have this flow on effect on prices? So that's they're kind of the tools that we use as detectives to unpick why prices might change and why in this case they're going up. And so in our detective mode now, now that we know the tool that we're going to be using to try and understand the triggers for the rise in the the cost of living. If you had to pick three things, what three factors would you say are affecting the cost of living? So the first thing to say is they're, they're going to be big things because, you know, we're talking about petrol, we're talking about groceries, we're talking about coffee. They, these are things that are bought and sold in huge quantities all over the world. And so the the forces that can shift those prices and can shift supply and demand across the world for oil or for food have to be some pretty big deals. And so it's probably not a surprise that if you ask me to pick the three big things that are pushing up prices at the moment, there are three things that we hear about a lot in all sorts of contexts. So we've got COVID, we've got Russia, and we've got climate change. They're, They're almost kind of the big three problems facing the world at the moment. And every one of them has their part to play in the cost of living increases that we're seeing at the moment. Okay, so I'm keen to break these down a little bit further. Why don't we start with the dreaded COVID-19, which actually hasn't really been in the headlines that much this year. It's sneaking back in with spikes of cases in WA and on the Eastern Seaboard in Australia. What can you tell me about how COVID affects supply and demand? Yeah, so COVID, as, as you say, we're, we're a little bit maybe sick of hearing and talking about COVID, but its effects in many ways are still being felt. And one of those ways is on prices. So let me start with with demand, which again is, you know, how much do people want to spend on things? How much do people want to buy things? And the story with COVID is that in high income countries like Australia, like the US, like a lot of Europe, you've got two things happening. Firstly, there were the people who were not really affected by lockdowns, people who could work easily from home, they kept their jobs, all that happened was they were stuck inside. Those people saved a lot of money. And so savings, for example, in Australia increased heaps during during lockdowns because people weren't going out, they weren't spending as much. So those people are now out in the world and they're ready to spend. Of course, there were some people who were really badly affected by the lockdowns who lost their jobs and that kind of thing. But even those people are often 
in, in many cases starting to recover. Of course, there'll be some people who are still feeling the economic after effects of the pandemic, but unemployment is back down low again. It's the lowest it's been since 2008. And so a lot of the people who were affected by the economic costs of the pandemic, they're back in work, they're earning money. And once again, they have money to spend. And so what that means is that the total kind of demand that's coming out of the developed world and high income countries like Australia's is a lot higher than it was a couple of years ago. So higher demand, that's one thing that will push prices up. Then on the supply side of things, COVID has created all sorts of disruptions around the world in supply chains, in the process of getting things to the people who want them. So for example, you know, border restrictions and a bunch of other kind of COVID restrictions, just making it a lot harder to do general global trade over the last couple of years. That's a fairly simple point. But a lot of other kind of, you know, the the pandemic made people buy unusual things. People were buying exercise equipment for their homes and that kind of thing. And so that just created I guess, kind of a lot of disruption to the normal process of, of global supply and, and we're still recovering from that disruption. And so the result is this kind of bottleneck, a global supply bottleneck that will take a while to clear. And so while that persists and, and while that's kind of, you know, constraining the ability to supply things, that's another thing that's going to push the prices up. So I, I guess on both sides of the ledger and both of the tools that we use as, as kind of price detectives, you can see forces unleashed by COVID, which are pushing prices in an upwards direction. And so then switching to something that is in the news every single day at the moment, and that is the ongoing invasion of Ukraine by Russia. How does that play into how much things cost here in Australia? Again, quite a bit. And this is something that I've spoken a little bit on the podcast before. I think it seems almost every time I come on the podcast at the moment, I say the word sanctions, and I'm going to say it again. The West's sanctions on Russia, which we've spoken about a little bit, but the short version basically is that the sanctions mean that Russia is selling much less of the stuff that it usually sells to the world. That's kind of what's relevant for us here. And that includes, in Russia's case, oil, gas, coal, and wheat. They're all things that Russia supplies a lot of and contributes to a significant part of global supply. And because they're constrained in selling those things and they can't sell as much of it because of these sanctions, that means that on the global market for oil, gas, coal, and wheat, there is significantly less supply. And so once again, less supply leads to higher prices, not just for the people who want to buy oil from Russia. So for example, Australia doesn't buy very much oil at all from Russia, but we're affected by it too, because, you know, the whole world's kind of trying to buy the same global pool of oil and that pool's just gotten a little bit smaller because of these sanctions on Russia. So again, it's an example of something that's pushing prices up. And then covering off the final one, which is by no means a small problem at all, climate change. Is the kind of idea here that, you know, extreme weather events and warmer temperatures is going to affect the price of food? Exactly right. It's understandable. You know, we're seeing petrol at $2 a litre and we're seeing all of these kind of short-term shocks and they're catching people's attention. It's easy to kind of miss climate change in all of that, which is sort of the slow burn and it's been putting upwards pressure on prices for a while. And yes, you're exactly right. The reasons are pretty simple. More extreme weather events, warmer temperatures, it affects a whole range of different crops and a whole range of different, you know, for example, coffee is one example. And and one of the reasons that the price of coffee is expected to increase is because of a bunch of natural disasters 
disasters in Brazil that have affected you know, coffee crops and, and again, reduce that supply and putting upwards pressure on prices. And that's the kind of thing that, of course, you know, the nature of climate change, we know that that's only going to kind of get worse and worse as the planet continues to warm. So, Tom, you've told us that our petrol is going to get more expensive. And then you've just told me that my cup of coffee is going to get more expensive. That has really upset me. Leave me with a bit of hope here. What can we do? What levers can we pull to try and mitigate some of these issues? I hate to disappoint you, Sam, but I'm not sure that I can really end this one on a note of hope. I think one of the things about, you know, kind of global prices and the cost of living is that Australia being a small country, we we kind of are at the whim of these global trends that we don't really have the ability to do much about. We can't really do very much about you know, these sort of problems in global supply chains because of COVID. We, we can't really do much. I mean, we are putting sanctions on Russia, but we don't have a huge role in shaping the direction that that conflict takes. There's certainly things we can do about climate change, but the effect of those will be felt over a much longer window in the short term. There's not a heap we can do to kind of push back against this tide. And so the focus for the Australian government is likely to be on sort of some short-term patchwork solutions and some things that address the symptoms rather than the cure. So we're hearing a lot of suggestions that the government is considering, for example, cutting the tax on fuel to make petrol kind of cheaper in the short term. That might do something in the short term, but it has some other long-term consequences in terms of the amount of revenue the government collects. Of course, you know, there are individual options. You might like to switch to tea instead of the morning coffee. But I think that apart from that, there's not much that we can do about these global tides. But the thing that we can do, and I think the thing that will be a big focus as we head into the election and something we've spoken about on the podcast before, is focus on wages growth, because that's sort of something that's a little bit more local and something that we may be able to improve and to change. So we've spoken before about how over the last decade, wages really haven't been keeping pace with prices of things. Wages have been falling behind and the cost of living has been increasing for some time. That's a really kind of entrenched policy problem in Australia and in a lot of countries in the West. If you fix that, if people's wages are growing faster than the prices are going, then you don't worry so much about that price growth. So, Focusing on that wages picture, I think, will be a really important thing leading into the election because the reality is, you know, even though governments might look at things like fuel taxes or beer taxes or, or other sort of things to kind of, you know, make people feel better about the cost of living in the short term, the, the reality is unless governments are willing to look at the wages question and how to get wages growing again, that there's not very much that they have the capacity to, to control here. Tom, I'm ending that interview there because you just told me to switch from coffee to tea and nobody deserves to hear that this early in the morning. That's all we've got time for on today's episode of The Daily Oz. Something that is free and will never change with the cost of living is The Daily Oz over on Instagram. It's where you'll get your news throughout the day. We'll see you over there and until tomorrow morning, have a good day.